0: To the latest episode of Can I Kick It? Yes, you can. <laughs> let me sneak that in there. So, <laughs> let me introduce myself first. <laughs> I'm going to sorry later. Um, as always, this is your host Elliot Barr, and Jordan, as Jordan is always my good man, Shane Duran the second. So, yesterday, um, Greg uh, for the culture hit us up for our uh, interview. So he was like, it was pretty much based around uh, Can I Kick It? Mm-hmm. So when I said the show name, he was like, yes, you can. And I was just like, yo, I swear. Every time that it comes up and someone does it, I I have to stop myself from laughing. Because <laughs> it really reminds me of Shane. <laughs> like, it, I have to stop myself from laughing. Uh, by the way, check out that Florida Culture um, podcast. I think it should be dropping very soon. Uh, we'll tweet it out to everyone so you can listen to it. Um, but we got some sad news, man. It's our last episode for a little bit yeah it's, it's gonna kinda, be kinda sad
1: USL League 1 is coming back right. even though we still don't have a schedule no we have one game that <laughs> we know game. when it's gonna be and that's it that's, so the rest
0: of the schedule they're st- apparently still working on it USL League 1 treats uh, the schedule drop as like your um, your work schedule like you get it like every once a week every two weeks like here you go you work this week this is how many days you work <laughs> like here you go <laughs> You can go from working four days a week to one. <laughs> exactly. Never know. You never know what USL League will. But, yeah, um, we're not saying that this is the last episode ever of Can I Kick It. It's not that we're just juggling two podcasts. We're not used to it yet, so we're trying to work things back out. Um, we probably will drop an episode in between the season, but we're just slowing it down for a little bit. doesn't mean stopping. We're just slowing it down for a little bit. But yeah. today's episode, man... I truly cannot wait to get into it um, because this one was recommended to us um, a lot on Twitter. And it's someone that, you know, I think Black Arrow, um, they've done a video on him. Star Trek FC has done an article on him. It's Mr. Gil Heron. Or, as his mama named him, Gilbert Gilbert St. Elmo Heron. Heron. If that ain't a black name. Woo! (laughs) Imagine your mama saying that when you forgot to do the dishes and took the meat out the refrigerator. Oh, you got to just run for it you know the slip was coming. <laughs> you know it's coming, dog.
1: Yes. Gilbert.
0: <laughs> Yo, um, first of all, what was your first initial thoughts about, like, his backstory and who he was as a player? Um, my my
1: initial thought was because of the fact that it was so long ago, this. And because of the fact that he started out in the U.S. in a very ambiguous time in U.S. soccer, there's not a lot of information. Yeah, there's not. I mean, you can barely find any stats.
0: Um, He he played in Detroit for a while, and then... So, I did find out about his time in Detroit. He... I know he scored a hat trick on his first... um, game for the when Detroit Corinthians, which, by the way, is a very weird name. Like, I don't know. I don't oh, think the well, U.S. has got it better with naming teams. No, they've just
1: been naming teams based off of other teams because, you yeah. know, Corinthians in, yeah. in, in, in uh, Brazil.
0: Yeah, so this is who he played for. He played for Detroit uh, Ventetta, Detroit Wolverines, Chicago Maroons, Chicago Sparta, Detroit Corinthians, went to Celtic. We're going to definitely get into that. Yes. Uh, third Lenarch, which is in Celtic, which is no longer around because they dissolved in 1967. Mm-hmm. Kidderminster Heritage, which is a club in England, England, um, came back, played a little bit for the Detroit Corinthians and then the Winchester Corinthians. So either he really liked the Corinthians or he was just like, I gotta play in Detroit, or Chicago. <laughs>
1: Hey, he was probably just you know his probably family in the Midwest, Northern Midwest.
0: Yeah, Oh, um, he came from Jamaica. Um, born in Kingston and everything. Yeah. All right. So, is he was born in Kingston, Jamaica? Shout out to Jamaica, you know the mother motherland. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, born in Jamaica, moved up to Canada. While he was in Canada, by the way, he joined the Royal Canadian Air Force. Um, him and a couple of his brothers. So they kind of fought in World War II. I couldn't really find out like what was his exact job within it, but he was part of the Royal Canadian Air Force. Then he started getting involved in soccer. So there was an Ebony article that pretty much dubbed him the Babe Ruth of soccer around his mm-hmm. side because, and I never knew this, he was one of, he was the only... <laughs> black person playing soccer around this time period. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like it was a whole bunch of other things and it's even harder to really understand like American soccer during this time period like you was alluding to about how there's not a lot. There's not a lot. No, not really. I mean, around this time it was
1: you had leagues popping up and dying out within one or two years. You had a lot of the soccer was amateur and it's like there wasn't a lot of information most games were not i mean games weren't televised in the 50s um so i mean apart from maybe world cup games which
0: are not i US even games, during that time yeah I think even during I that mean, time maybe one or two of like that I, we were talking about earlier before the podcast like the real growth of soccer in america really Probably I wanna say probably didn't happen until Paley got here. And that was around what, the nineteen seventies? Yeah. And even still, like you it wasn't like US soccer like then had a boom, it got better. Like it was still no, it was like, like oh, there's oh, that we, sport over yeah, there. Yeah, we have this. Oh, great. I'll go watch NFL. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Um so it's it's very hard to figure out like who he played for, things like that. We do know that he was a top scorer in nineteen forty six for the Detroit Wolves mm-hmm. in the North American Soccer League um, yes. he pretty much scored 15 goals in 8 games and you yeah. can kind of see the trend of even then he was still having to deal with racism and abuse um, it talks about how his wife at the time after games had to rub his legs down with like Vaseline and alcohol to take care of the stub marks that were left in his legs by opposing players mm-hmm. Um it was also reported that he was only getting paid $25 a game while another player, um, I can't remember his name, Peter something, was getting paid $100 a game. And he scored, like, I think a third of the goals yeah. that Heron scored. Exactly. So yep. it's not like, you know, it's that's not something we haven't heard of before happening with black players. You know, how they would not get paid their market value, things like that what they really deserved. Yeah. So, so, do you want to do the part about where he got scouted? Because he scouted and how he got scouted is kind of funny. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, this was at the time where, as you said, he was getting paid $25 a game at uh, the Wolverines and Glasgow Celtic was on a tour in, yeah. the, in the United States and one of the scouts noticed him uh, dominating on the field. Just tearing it up on the pitch for um the uh for the wolves and they gave him that offer. Like they offered him uh, a trial. A public trial, was yeah. it? Yeah I it, think was it was public, a public trial. public trial. So I mean just just on that alone, just and it goes to show you how in the world of sports it's like sometimes you just right place, right time. Yeah. And the right person sees you, and that's what's that's your end.
0: You know, never give up on your dreams, kids. No, never give up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like you said, he got right place, right time. Um, he scored in his debut, August 8, fifty one, in the League Cup against Morton. Which when I saw the name, I was like, "Are they playing against the Advil company?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I realized, like, "Oh no, this is the name of the team." Um, but the sad thing is, he only played in five games in the first team. And he scored twice, however. And then he mm-hmm. kind of played in the Celtics reserves. Um, and you would think from that point on, like, all right, maybe his first year, he'd get another try. You know, he come back second year.
1: Yeah.
0: No, Celtic cut him. Yeah. And that part alone kind of, like, really stuck out to me a lot. Because I'm like, all right, well, you got this guy from America. You brought him to Celtic. You know, why not give him another year or two? At but least... Then, yeah, but then I had to realize, and this is the, like I asked you about, like, I had to realize the fact that the time era that we're dealing with, it is not like, even though like you said, he got he was in the right place, right time to get scouted, it was wrong place, wrong time for him to play it. Yeah, because of how he pla how he was as a player, you know, having the nicknames the Black Arrow, the Black Flash, it alludes to his elusiveness, pace, speed, skills, being tricky on the ball isn't that that's something that you equate to not only Celtics in that era, but also football in the nineteen fifties. Football in the nineteen fifties was brutal. So yeah.
1: it was it was about strength, power, you know, physical aggression. And so I think this
0: is the area of the WM formation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um so I mean, like, even the newspaper articles um around this time period. They, they said that he had all the support of the fans. Like the fans loved him. I mean, of course, that's always entertaining. Yeah, to watch, but they said but... like he wasn't. He didn't live up to the characteristics of what's needed in football around this time period, which marketed as he's too fail, too flashy. He doesn't do enough. Let gets it
1: go. gets probably knocked off the ball too easily.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Probably got injured a lot because even to this day, even today, where we like. Quickness, pace, agility, and flair—the fastest players are always the ones that get the most injured. When you yeah. look at players like Michael Owen, you look at players like Cristiano Ronaldo early on in his career. Um, the fast players—they always the ones that are getting hurt. People are like, oh, they're made of glass. No, it's because they're moving so fast that you just stick a foot in there and something's getting clocked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean. They also talk about how he couldn't really overcome the player at the time, um, John McFell. Mm-hmm. He could never really get over top of him. And then the more reaches we had to we had to really do like some real digging yeah. to find this stuff out. <laughs> um, Pretty much McFell did not want to be challenged at all for his position. Like It was like, no, this is my position. I don't want anyone challenging me for it. And pretty much the manager at that time, um, Jimmy McGrory, Basically, count
1: out to him. This was, this was a very rare situation where there was a man who was bigger than the club, and that was him. Yeah. And he, what he said goes.
0: Pretty much. It's, so, it's one of those things. And, I mean, let's also be real about it. We're talking about 1950s. A black guy in Scotland, are you really going to supplant this guy that's probably been in her at the club for a long time? Exactly. Probably not. Like, it's not as forward-thinking as maybe we are as today. You know, um, so he leaves Celtic. Then he goes to third Linux, And you would think there, all right, he's kind of improving at Celtic. He's going to start at third Linux, Maybe this is the start of his big European career being one of the first. Not only he's not American, so you can't really use that tagline, but one of the first, you know, North American or Central Central American players to play over in Europe.
1: Exactly. And
0: there he doesn't even get the same start. And there's even less information there or the reason why it didn't work out. It's not like he fell out. He was pretty much reserved to League Cup and reserve team matches there. So what I'm starting to realize really around this time is there's not a lot of... I don't think people at that time really appreciated nor did they know about Gil Herring. Or what he was trying to do, and like we said, it was also a long place, a long time. Because it's not like he's young. Yeah, he was twenty nine when he went over there. <laughs> to Celtic. <laughs> twenty nine already. So by the time he's at third, Heric, third lyric, he's what thirty, maybe 30, 31? 31. yeah. And then he goes again to, um, Minster Harriers, and even less is known about him there. So it's like you know, was it his? Do you think his skill set just wasn't matched up for the teams he was playing for, or was it just the case of these teams are like super duper stru- rugged and stringent in what they want to do, and adding a player like that doesn't fit? Well, my my
1: thing, my my biggest confusion with it is, we all, I mean, a lot of the. Quick passing, quick movement, spreading the ball, using pace and speed over strength and, and just brutality originally comes from Scotland. Which which baffles me because I mean if you I mean I know it's it's more so of a fictional docudrama, but if you watch the English game the main character is Scottish, and he that's how we play in Scotland. We, we spread out. We pass the ball. We move the ball. We move quickly. And you would think that a player like Gil Heron would fit into a culture that brought that to the game. But I, I think you can say that maybe the English game kind of started to have an effect on Scotland, and they started to be... Worrying more about, you know, can we get the biggest, strongest, baddest players rather than the quickest, fastest and most agile.
0: Yeah. And I think also during that time period, like you said, like I said, I mean, he already had two knocks against him, really three. Mm-hmm. He's already 29, had mm-hmm. a bunch of games on him from what we could probably tell. Mm-hmm. Um, was black <laughs> and he played in Scotland on a team that was, this is Celtic. Yeah, like this is the the team. Yeah, it wasn't like you know around England around this time. You had you know you had Arsenal, you had Spurs, you had you know your Manchester United, your Man Cities, and stuff like that, and others clubs, your Leeds and things. But it wasn't on the level of what Celtic was. Yeah, you know, because Celtic. It, this is the team that eventually, like fourteen, I think it was fourteen years later goes on and wins the first European Cup for any British side let yes. alone English or Scottish like that's the first team to ever do it yeah from the you know first team from the from the from the big island to yeah to um, pull it off so it's it's that what he had to fight and overcome and, uh, and the sad part is and I look at it as sad because he comes back to America after you know playing in Europe for like three or four years and it's kind of just like it, it, Kind of feeds into obscurity because he goes to work at a Ford assembly line. Um, doesn't really play soccer again. I mean, of course he comes back and plays like semi-pro, but there's nothing on the levels of playing for Celtic and uh, Kenny Mester. But I kind of feel like he's forgotten in since a, a of part of time. I mean, and granted, I guess that's the, that's the bad the. Backside of being the first. Like, you're kind of always... For, kind of forgotten. If I want to say. Yeah. Like, I mean, even doing the research on him, we were talking about, it, like... There's a couple of articles out there, but he kind of all repeat the same thing. It was kind of like no one was really covering his story. You know? Yeah, no one. And that's... That's unfortunate. I mean, this guy was nicknamed, you know, the Babe of Soccer almost like the Jackie Robinson of soccer for what he had to go through, what he was breaking through. Like, he was yeah. the first to play soccer professionally in America. You know, yeah. he was the first... There's reportings of others, other blacks at Celtic, but they were in the reserve team. Yeah, they were in he the reserve. He was Reserves the first African-American African, to play exactly. professionally for a Celtic. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where do you kind of lie at with Gil Heron? I mean... Uh,
1: I feel that Gil Heron is, I think he was, especially with regards to Celtic, you saw that he kind of took on the role of the token black guy because of how short-lived that was and because of how basically it it was just, oh yeah, we're going to sign you and, and you know, you're going to be the first black player to play for the first team at
0: Celtic. And so do you think it was more of they looked at him for what his skill potential was and was like, hey, maybe because I don't or Do you think it was more of this thing of like, oh, the publicity stunt, more publicity stunt? Cause it, my, I think I it, it seems, it seem, from
1: what yes. it seems like, it seems like it's a combination of the two. Um, you can see that the sc- I mean, if a scout is the one who's seeing him playing, I mean, they could have grabbed anybody, but they grabbed him because of his talent, because of what he could bring. And I think you all, sometimes you get that, and nowadays you can call it like the FIFA mind, yeah. of, oh, this player would fit in really good in this. Yes, in theory. And you look at Gil Heron and you see, in theory, his pace and, and, and quickness and agility and flash could bring something to this. Uh, Glasgow Celtic game but in practice he's just getting knocked around Yeah, you know but but then again you, you have that idea of he can be we can be the ones to have the first black player at our club yeah. to play for the first team
0: you kind of already started to see um, remnants of that you know around this time area as well you start to have more countries start to kind of branch out. Yeah. started to be like, oh, we can go to Africa. We can go to South America. We can go here to start kind of picking players and things like that. And don't get me wrong, America was on the back end of all of this. Like, I don't think they were coming to America to kind of scout for players because one, we didn't really care about the game due to the lack of like true like scouting that was going on or true lack of like record keeper that was going on. But also, at the same time, it's like I look at Gil Heron as he is the pioneer that should never be forgotten for what he did. Yeah. You know, he he was a true pioneer in the sense of the game. And I mean, granted, you know, he didn't have the rags and riches. One thing that I found comfort in is the fact that he didn't have any bitterness about it. You know, he was kind of just like, I did everything I wanted to do. He still is up to his death in 2008. Mm-hmm. He still was a Celtic fan. You know, he still followed the league. He still followed the team, things like that. And I mean, even his son, you know, Gil Scott-Heron, that wrote (laughs) the famous song "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised." Yeah, helped write that. I mean, talks about how his dad loved Celtic and how he
1: he yeah he still continued to follow Celtic and see how they were doing. But one thing that is that is very interesting with uh, Gil Heron's story is the fact that he is still remembered yeah. in Glasgow, yeah. even though it was a very brief time. Like any time uh, Gil scott Heron had a concert in Glasgow, everyone who showed to the concert was wearing their Celtic jersey. Yeah, and it it's it like it was like a tradition. Like at the end of the day, if Gil Scott Heron is coming. We're wearing his dad's jersey, yeah. and it's it shows it showed that even though yes it was ra- wrong place wrong time and that's one thing of course we can always see in
0: twenty twenty
1: vision yeah I mean in hindsight we can see that it's wrong place wrong time but I think I, I do feel that a lot of uh, Celtic fans at the time and shortly afterwards did realize that as well and did commend him for what he brought to the game. And they just thought, it's just unfortunate that his style of play didn't fit what we were doing at that particular time.
0: Because I also think, like, if you bring him back, if he gets a Celtic when he's 22, 24, it's different. Yes. I think Celtic is more able to invest in him. But if he's 29... He's on the tail end of his career. Yeah, he doesn't seem to really be making it. You You can understand why Celtic did have him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, time to 2020. So, anything else for you, my man, before we wrap this up? Um,
1: no. We, I mean, we talked about the fact that he scored two goals in the League Cup. Yeah, we talked um, about that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's... I mean, he provided... He gave a contribution. And, and the only thing that I can equate... That I can give credit to with regards to his popularity... And Celtic is maybe those two goals were memorable ones.
0: You yeah, know? they said he scored some memorable goals. Unfortunately, yeah. there's no footage oh, to of see. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we could be talking about a tap in. We could be talking about a 30 yard ball. Who knows? Yeah, or anything <laughs> in between. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, so, oh, also, real quick before we wrap up, mm-hmm. if you want to support more episodes of Can I Kick It, you can do so. The link will be provided down below. Click on that link. Um, you can donate however you see fit. It really helps our show out to yeah. produce more episodes for you guys. Um, not only more episodes, better quality episodes, better equipment, all of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because this stuff ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> on a teacher's salary and a coach's salary, stuff Ooh. is that cheap. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so with that being said, our resources for this episode is Gil Heron, played for Celtic, father of a musician by Frank DiAlpa of the Boston Globe, The Gil Heron Story by Boston, I mean by BBC Caribbean, uh, The Obituary of Gil Heron, The Guardian, Gil Heron Soccer's Jackie Robinson, Star Stripes FC, Gil Heron, and Vice, remembering Gil Heron, and Black Arrow, remembering Gil Heron. So... As always, guys, leave a five-star review, like, view, subscribe, share with a friend. And like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we're not going away. We're just taking a little break. We'll still be dropping episodes here and there, but it won't be like three episodes all in one day. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll we'll drop a few gems here and there for you guys, a little yeah. few gifts here and there as we have a strangely crammed USL League One season that we're going to have to keep track of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So with that being said, as always, this is Elliot. This is Shanier. Keep us on the good side, guys. We'll holler at you later.